government and, and contractors, anybody in business with government. So <clears throat> I was like, okay, well, I can't really come up with a valid religious excuse, you know. Uh, so, but anyway, so feeling a little, little punchy. Hopefully, this will help. I didn't want to miss uh, my brother Hunt this morning. So, yeah. I made sure to dress up there nice because he was asking about ties, and I said, I've been just casual. So, I'm just gonna wear my clothes jeans. Maybe my old. You can wear anything you like. <laughs> let's uh, let's start with with a word of prayer again. Thank you, Diana, for that opening. Heavenly Father, we we come once again and and pray uh, because we recognize our great need for your your grace and your Holy Spirit and your active work and and uh, without your Holy Spirit. And without your active presence with us, and in, 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 uh, as, as Diana said, I mean, that's really the heart of, of the Christian life is, is the maintenance of our life is repentance, Lord. And, and you came at such great expense to take care of this sin problem. How can we live any longer therein? Right? And, and so we, even as I stand up here and, and lead us in opening the word, I'm, I'm conscious of my own failings and my own shortcomings and uh, how much pride there is in my heart still after years of walking with you and study of your word and seeing the glory of the father in the face of jesus as we have in this in this wonderful gospel of john five minutes later we're back to the same flesh and struggling with that so we need you we need your grace we need to be reminded again that it is your love and your choice, your sovereign will, and your grace by which we stand. And only that in the finished work of Christ. And we thank you for him. Pray your blessing on uh, his time with John this morning and our brother Hunt and then this, this afternoon with Bible study. And not just our, our little church, Lord, we reminded a couple of weeks ago at the conference, just um, many, many others around. You have your people everywhere. And it's, it's always a joy to to meet another believer who has this love for Jesus. It's a supernatural love, even as you open the eyes of this man who was born blind, so you open our eyes to see that glory. And, and, uh, and so we just pray that your word would have its effect and your spirit would, would open many hearts, even today, Lord, that uh, more would come into the kingdom today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I put notes on the chair. There, uh, everybody else. Uh, there is a, there's one spare up here. If you if you have lost yours or misplaced it, um, <clears throat> we're still on uh, Jesus heals the man born blind. I like to say we're not driving through John. We're walking through it. So uh, taking our time to, to notice the details, right? Um, I don't really know any other way of doing it. <laughs> so uh, John nine. <clears throat> and and by God's grace, we will finish this today and, and uh, press on. This John 9 is not a, a heavy theological uh, tone. It's not like when we went through Romans, you know, and you get to chapter 5 and you're like, oh my word, what is he talking about? Yeah. And uh, really, really have to stretch your brain for this. But, but that doesn't mean that the truth isn't very powerful and very... Um, uh, ex accessible, even as we enjoy this story. And there's a lot of kind of humor in here. There's some sarcasm. I, I love as, as we get the next set of notes. 
we'll take a look at, at how this this formerly blind man kind of does battle with these uh, unbelieving Jewish leaders, right? But in the midst of, of all of this story, I was listening to John again on, on this and uh, was reminded, uh, John McCarthy, that is, uh, reminded again of, of how this chapter fits into John's grand design, the Holy Spirit through John, right? John the Apostle. Um, uh, for this gospel. It's called the believing, the believing gospel, the believer's gospel, um, because it's all about belief. And John tells us that at the end, right? He's, you know, I, I suppose Jesus just did many more things which aren't recorded here, right? You know, the, the end is of, of chapter 20. Uh, uh, but this, this, these things are written that you might believe that he is the son of God. And so uh, we'll, we'll see that very strongly when we get into chapter 11. Uh, a lot of people, chapter 11 is the home of the shortest verse in the Bible. Every kid's favorite, you know, get a quarter for a verse. John eleven thirty five. Just what? Take my money out. Thank you. Right. Uh, a lot of people miss though that that there's a lot of emotion in that chapter uh, from disciples, from Mary and Martha, from the from the from the Jewish people who come uh, to to witness that, but also from Jesus. And and there's word is troubled often before that and, and after as well and people miss you know why did you weep and, uh, and really the essence of it is unbelief he wept because of their unbelief even mary and martha were swept up in that and, and so we'll see that as we go we so over and over and over again in this gospel john is emphasizing this 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 issue of believing that jesus is who he says he is and, and then also, sadly, along with that, we see the marks of unbelief. And that's really what we see going on here. Uh, we see how unbelief works. We're seeing it in action right here, okay? Because this is a sign. This is a miracle that, as, as the man himself is going to say in, in our next set of notes, um, we've never seen this kind of thing since the beginning of time. We've never heard of anyone opening the eyes of the blind. And that's true. There's no, if you search the old Testament, there's no record of, of that kind of miracle that had happened before. Right. And, and so um, it's clear that God is at work here and yet uh, they don't want to believe it. They want to believe it. Right. And they, and they, they argue. And, and, and so we're going to see that today. That's kind of, we're on the last, point on your notes there point number five is the reaction of the pharisees <clears throat> this is a hard chapter to break up into into notes like that because it's it really is just kind of one story right and it's it's kind of a bummer you know it's like watching a great movie you're really into it and all of a sudden it's the end and okay part two is coming out next year you know uh -huh, you know so but we got to break it up somewhere and uh and so that's kind of the way i've i've done it here is the reaction of pharisees but we'll continue to see their reaction unfold more in the next set of notes, right? Remember that this, this is happening in the context of four chapters that have, they kind of form a unit here. So we have chapter seven through 11, uh, chapters, sorry, chapters seven through 10, right? And, and anybody help me out here now? Um, what feast is this happening? What's in the background? Tabernacles, right? It's, John's already told us, Feast of Tabernacles, seven plus one days, right? Seven days for the feast plus one high Sabbath at the end. And, and so now in their tradition, not required in the law, 
in Leviticus 23, but in their tradition, there were two main signs. Okay, yeah, yes, the tabernacles, right? Okay, so they would set those up. There were two signs <clears throat> that revolved around the temple area. One happened in the morning and the other happened in the evening. What were the signs? The lights, okay. That would be in the evening, right? And they had big, tall, about 70, roughly 73 feet high, tall candelabras in the court of the women out there that they would light. And, and so that, that's sign one, that's tradition one, okay? What's the other sign? On the altar. On the altar. They would so they would they would walk down the steps, the chief priest with the, the vessel for the water and, and great ceremony, everybody lines like a little parade that would come out every morning from the temple, and, and they would walk down the steps to the water gate to uh, the pool of shalom. So they would get the water. It's about maybe uh, a half a mile or so. I don't want to be too dogmatic about that. But anyway, so they would walk down the lower court of the temple there, they would get that water, and they would come back. And then the last day of the feast, remember John 7, we saw that the last, John calls it the last great day of the feast. He calls it a great day because they did this every morning, this little water ritual. But on the last day, it was really a big deal. So you'd have a lot more people gathered there, and they would march around the altar seven times before pouring the water out, you know. And, uh, and they had all these traditions related to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in chapter 7, Jesus has picked up on that sign, right? Uh, by saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me with a loud voice. At that moment when they are celebrating that, you know, and, and remember, too, the great prayer and cry of this whole feast is Hosanna, right? It's a one-word prayer, God save. God save me, right? And looking to him for salvation. And that's really the whole Point of the feast really is, is it's a harvest. Um, they actually had several harvests, but this is the very last one. This is the great harvest. Uh, pictures, uh, I believe, the harvest of souls. It's a celebration of salvation. Anyway, so they uh, first sign, chapter seven, is the water. And then in chapter eight, and again now in chapter nine, we have seen the second sign at work, which is Jesus makes this statement right there. In that court where these large candelabras are, I am what? The light of the world. Okay? And he makes that statement twice. Once at the, uh, I'll say the beginning, it's really uh, verse 12 of chapter 8. And then here again, I think it's in, in yeah, verse um, 5 of chapter 9. So we have been through all of that. He's made this statement. And then in between those two statements, I'm the light of the world, he has turned the light on to their false religious system and he says you guys think that you're walking in the faith tradition of Abraham and you think that you are spiritual sons of God in other words that God is on your side or you're on his side and, and you're working with him in this system but then Jesus is the light of the world turns the light on and as I've said several times he's pulled the curtain back and showed that the man behind the curtain of their system is not God because he tells them what you are sons. You are sons of the devil. Wow. And that whole chapter ends with them trying to stone him because he makes 
this unbelievable multi-dimensional uh, statement before Abraham was, I am. Wow, we unpack that a little bit, right? We scratch the surface of that. That's just an unbelievable statement. And they and they 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 try to they try to stone him because you know they, they get the point. Um, all right, enough of that. Uh, and then so that's all set up, right? So here, so I'm the light of the world. He turns the light on. The religious system is not what they think it is. And now we're going to see that in action in chapter no, chapter eight and chapter nine. In chapter nine, we're going to see that in action where he opens the eyes, man born, not deaf, not lame, blind, right? So, uh, and we said it's two necessary ingredients for salvation, right? It's not that the light isn't shining. It's not that God hasn't given himself a witness to creation in the word of God and conscience, right? Um, but the problem is not that the light isn't shining. The problem is we are born blind. We can't see it. We can't see it. And we rely on Jesus, just like this man. He had no power to open his own eyes. If he had, he would have done so a long time ago. Right? He's been in this condition a long time. His parents tell us he's of, he is of age. Uh, we don't know what that means. Uh, the man in chapter 5, very similar situation, uh, who, who, was, who was lame, right, for 38 years. That's a long time. This guy, we don't know. But I'm guessing it's probably mm, at least 20 years, maybe. Over 12. Over 12 for sure. Yeah, yeah. He was not. Yeah, he, he was he was well known. He'd been there a long time. Everybody knew him. Um, so then we, then we we took a quick look at the at the clay, right? Uh, this ESV says mud, but really it's better translated clay. I showed that to you. That's on your notes, by the way, there too, right? So, um, I, you know, it's a good thing you have me here to spread yeah. out all the commentators. You can't get that. Well, why is this, you know, all these complicated things? When John just tells us in the context, he makes it so clear. And we're going to see that again here today. Um, the issue again of the clay is to, it was one of the many, many. I was listening to John again. He was reminding me, oh, there's all these so stupid things. You're not allowed to pull any hair out of the sack. Trim your hair or anything. You can't extinguish a, a burning um, lamp. To save the wick on the south, you know, can't light one. So just ridiculous burden, burdens that you know what it means to not work on the Sabbath. And one of those is that you can't make clay because that's material for work, right? And, and, and the assumption is that you're, you know, you're working on the Sabbath. Jesus goes out of his way here in chapter nine, and again, I feel very strongly this is the right interpretation because it's very consistent with what we saw in chapter five, right? Remember the point here is belief and what jesus is doing is he is putting all of these people the jewish leaders and the crowd on the horns of the dilemma because they they can't deny this miracle it's the finger of god there's no way you can deny that and yet he does it in a way that violates their traditions and they they have to if they're going to say that it, in, again, chapter 8, right? They insist that we are sons of God. He says, no, you're sons of the devil. So now here's Jesus who says, okay, God is on my side. But he doesn't say that verbally. He says that through the sign. Get it? And, and that's the point. In fact, that was the whole point of his miracles was, was to show, as Jesus says that in, in, in the upper room discourse, he says that in, in chapter 12, over and over and over again. These signs, these works that my father has given me to do, they come from God to confirm 
the person and the message of Jesus. That these are his, these are the Father's words. He is sent by the Father, and these miracles prove that. Okay, they prove it. And and so now I got a choice. Uh, well, clearly God is on his side because he did this miracle, but he did it in opposition to our Sabbath tradition. I have a choice to make. Which one am I going to hold on to? I can't hold both. Which one am I going to hold on to? And, and which one am I going to let go of? So it's all about belief. Okay, so uh, so that's all. That's what we've seen. Those are the first kind of four points there. Um, <clears throat> we dealt with uh, the, the theology that they had, that, that a person could sin in the womb. Who sinned? This man or his parents. Jesus corrects that. It's a false dichotomy. That's point number two. Um, again, it seems... <laughs> Why would God allow that to happen? It's for his glory. I heard, a, I heard a message yesterday. I think it was R.C. Sproul. Or I think it was, no, it was James Coates. Um, anyway, he said this. all so good. God has the right to decide how he's glorified. We, we would look at a situation like this, too, and scratch our heads right along with everybody else and how can God allow, if he's good and he's sovereign, how does he allow us man to be born blind? But that's not for us to decide. That's for God to, to work out. We know he's going to get glory from that, and we know he never does anything that's wrong or unjust. So even from our little perspective, if it doesn't make sense at the moment, just rest in that. Rest that God is bigger. He that's knows what he's good. doing, and he's got, a, he's got a good heart. You know. Yes. Uh, he doesn't. I love that what Paul says about his kind intention toward us. Not a, it's not a hard, harmful intention. Not like these false shepherds. Next chapter, right? The bad shepherds. What's that? Wouldn't lift a finger. Wouldn't lift a finger. Have to help people. All right. So anyway, uh, point number two. He discloses the, that the purpose of God in seeming, seemingly purposeless situation. That's verses three through five. And then, and then point number three. Uh, he heals his blindness. We looked at that, six to seven. Uh, again, the clay is mentioned five times in there, right? Uh, in fact, you might just underline that in your Bible. It's five times uh, it's in there. The, the emphasis is on the making of the clay for a reason. Jesus did that. He method for a very specific reason. Again, it's So um, he, he heals his blindness. This is uh, John 9, 8 now. Okay. The neighbors and those who had seen him, were even seeing here uh, some division among the people. And some said, is he? Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I'm a man. Yeah. What, why would the crowd be confused about this? Because you see him blind now. He's walking around and being able to do things for him. Right. And they're like, and I know they don't think they want to acknowledge that this is possible to happen. So if you have to lady, this is the Messiah, this is Jesus' command, this is coming to save and heal, they don't want to, they don't want to 
they don't put that in there. They won't even acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. You know, it even mentions later things like that. Like I said, it sort of blew my mind when I, when I heard John say that that some of the Pharisees and Sadducees knew they knew who he was, and they 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 accepted who he was. They did not acknowledge who he was because they would fail their status. So it was a status issue. And what do we see that today? There's a lot of people that want to have their status into we're going, to see, we're going to see that here just a little bit because the Pharisees are also divided too. That's exactly right. John does mention that. He says that there were many of the priests that believed in him, even the priests, they were afraid to confess it because they loved the praise of men. Yeah, he's a little, uh, That's right. But yes, uh, I think Rick has hit the nail on the head here is that the reason they are confused about this is. Not that it wasn't apparent who it was. It wasn't like it, you know, Jesus totally changed his appearance. He's not taller, he's different color skin. No, no, no. His eyes probably look different. Obviously, he's walking around now where he couldn't before. Uh, you know, so, so uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen somebody who's really, I have a coworker who was born blind and, and one eye like really bold, you know, really small. And you can tell this by the way she looks. If she happens to open her eyes, you know, whoop, you, know you can tell that something's not right in those eyes. but. Uh, outside of that, his appearance didn't really change, right? So they knew who he was. The problem here, again, John's economy of words, right? He's, he's going to unpack this as we keep reading. It's, it's, it's that the crowd is already beginning to sense the problem. There's no way that, because the man had to tell his story, right? And when, when it says here, I am he, that's a summary of the fact that People would have definitely asked him, how are you able to see? He would have told them that story, right? And now they have a problem. <laughs> the common people have this problem because they've been taught that you don't, number one, you don't even heal on the Sabbath, okay? You don't even heal, so you still see somebody fall down, hurts themselves, you know, can't bandage up the wound or anything, you know, whatever. There was an exception for somebody who was in danger of imminent death, right? You could do enough to save them, but you can't heal the drowning or something, maybe pull them out, get another cut up or whatever, but you can't tend to the wounds. So he couldn't heal the Sabbath. Then he couldn't make this clay either. It's work. And so Jesus has has done this with a method that, that really uh, puts everybody on this theological dilemma, right? You know, their minds are blown. And that's why I think we see that division. No, that's him. No, it can't be him. Yeah, that is him. Okay. So let's keep. Is these two things talking about the same group? It says his neighbors and others who knew him, the blind beggar. And then you get down to verse nine. It says some uh, said he was, and others said no, he just looks like him. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. I mean, it, do, you think it, do you think it's the same neighbors and things that are saying the same thing? Do you think it's the, the religious leaders are saying that? Because Jesus' popularity is still growing. Yeah, I think it's people that's right. Following. I mean, all the way until the time he gets into Jerusalem. This is in Jerusalem. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what, about six months around that till the cross. Uh -huh. So his popularity is, is still growing among the people. It's, and and just and even when he comes into Jerusalem, they're throwing down these palm branches as as a form of accepting him. It's not till after that that uh, 
We'll we'll deal with that when we get there. Yeah, uh, but I'm just asking. Yeah. You think this is the same people that his neighbors? Because it, it seems like to me that they're separated. <coughs> ones in verse eight and verse nine. It's a little bit ambiguous. I don't know. I think he's right. I think there is two different people because you know that it mentioned we're, we're studying this in Mark and we've seen it several times already that there's there's groups of people that follow him. And I think it's the same group that we're seeing the whole time, onlookers, people that are interested, golfers or whatever you want to call them, that's that's trying to. But I think that that's what my opinion is. That my, in the NIV it says others. So I, I think it's, it's separating the neighbors, which knew this man intimately probably, probably seen him grow up. And I think the others may be even part of the Pharisees and all these people that continue to follow Jesus around in the background. I don't agree with that. Um, okay. I think that I think that eight and nine are attached together because it is it is the the neighbors and other people. The neighbors there would be um, again. This man had a regular spot in the marketplace, right? Probably right outside the gate. I mean, the, the idea here of passing by at the beginning of, of the chapter is Jesus. You know, remember he's he's escaping from and trying to stone him. In, in the court of women, right? He's coming out with his disciples. He sees this guy there, his normal spot. Jesus is the one who points him out first. And the disciples talk, well, who are his neighbors? His neighbors probably would have been other beggars and vendors no, local that, that, people, that, that were there regularly on a regular basis. But then there's others in the market who, you know, would have known, would also have known him and, 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 and would have, um, just been there to shop or to, to worship or something. It was a big feast, right? There's, there's a lot of people in town, right? But this guy had been there a long time, even regulars who didn't live in Judea even, right, that would come down for these feasts. Remember, he had to be there by, by the law. Every male 20 years and older had to be there for the three major feasts. This is one of them, this name. So you had a lot of people there, a lot of these makeshift booths outside of Jerusalem, a lot of people. This is a heavy area of commerce. There's a lot of people there. They would have, those that would have been faithful year after year and be his law would have seen him, would have known him. And and so um, I, I think I think that that is John's way of again economy of words. He's not trying to dwell on so much of that kind of detail, but he's just simply saying that the crowd itself, the common ordinary people, the vendors in the booths, plus other handicapped people have been begging, plus the, the the Jews that were all there, some visiting at that time for the feast, and others that you know, live in Jerusalem, they all knew this guy. But they're just the point is, they're the crowd, they're the, they're the normal people, so to speak, the run of the mill uh, Jewish people. And they, but they know enough to know that this is a problem, a theological problem. Okay. And the reason I say that, it's I don't think it's any of the Pharisees, whatever, because they come in now that's last point on our on our outline is now they now they can't solve the common people can't solve this problem so they bring it to the experts okay and it's probably the next day they, they wouldn't have convened on the sabbath right so be the next day this this uh likely played out over at least two maybe three days really undercuts their entire system that they've been standing for all it really does it really does it really does <clears throat> okay, so um, so that's uh, verse 10 now. Um, so they said, 
Then how were your eyes open? He answered, man, right, there it is, right? So the man and Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes, said to go to the slum and wash. I washed, received my sight. Where is he? Now, it's interesting, too, don't miss this. The man knew who Jesus was now by this point. There's no indication in the, in the story up to this point that, that he had told him who he was, but somehow the man knew, uh, probably heard others talking as Jesus was doing this, maybe. Uh, <clears throat> likely, the man had already heard these stories, like Larry said. He's, Jesus, by this point, is six months away from his crucifixion, so he's had many, many healings, including other blind people, right, uh, that the other Gospels tell us about. Um, and so the man probably heard this, and only one person in town, who can, in fact, the whole world, who can do this, right? So he, he knows who it is. He tells them, and, uh, and that's the reaction. That's why I put down your notes, reaction to the crowd. Um, by this point, notice, to the disposition of the man, he's, all he is doing is operating from a, a, a factual place. Right? He's simply telling them the facts of what happened. Yes, I am the man who was born blind. Okay? This man, Jesus, made clay with his saliva. He anointed my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Shalom and wash so that I would receive my sight. And I see. That's what, in a little bit, it's summed up with in the next set of notes. Once I was blind, I see. Whether this man is a sinner or not, I don't know, right? He's, he's factual, okay? Now, that's important because behind all of this is the working of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, notice, I want to see how important the intellect is in the work of the Holy Spirit because, you know, today we get confused with feelings and everything, but thank God that, that his promises are true whether we feel them or not, Okay. God is, the Holy Spirit works through the word of God, but appeals to our minds. And, and if, we, if, if he helps us straighten our thinking out, because otherwise we're going to see this more and more as we get into the Pharisees, their thinking is circular. Normal thinking, linear thinking is you start with a premise, hey, maybe this is true. Okay. Well, let's examine the facts. Boom, 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 you lay it out and you think, you discuss and you talk and brainstorm, we say, right? And you think through. And then, and then, you plan the next meeting, right? No, that's, that's the government. That's the government. <laughs> no, in, 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 in good sound thinking, you start with the premise, you reason through it, and you come to a conclusion. But these Pharisees, at least some of them, at least the dominant voices, start with a conclusion. And they reason backwards and cherry pick the facts that they want and ignore other things and end up at the same conclusion. That's circular reasoning. But this man, this man is linear. It's like he starts here. But then as we watch his story, we begin to see the Holy Spirit take that step by step, think it through, and come to the conclusion, this is God. And he worships him. Yeah. Love that. Okay? All right. That's awesome stuff. Right. <laughs> see? That's why we have to start. Okay. All right. Uh, so, 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 verse 12, they said to him, where is he? That is, where is Jesus? I do not know. <clears throat> Jesus had, had, Jesus recedes from the background in this story, right? He's been prominent, chapter 7, 
mostly, although there's a lot of reaction and mixed reaction in chapter seven, certainly in chapter eight, Jesus is the featured you know, speaker with the dialogue and confrontation he has with them. But now Jesus has receded out of the picture. We're going to see him come back again at the end of the chapter. And then that's when we get into I am a good shepherd. I am a good, I am a good shepherd. Tim. But the man doesn't know. All right. So now 13 to 16. This is point five on our outline now. Reaction to the Pharisees. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Notice that his name is never given. That's interesting. I don't know if. And by the way, John, this is another one of the examples in John where John got the fuller story later. This, there's no doubt in my mind at all that this man was part of the Jerusalem church after Pentecost and the Jewish church and the Holy Spirit all of that. This man was there and, and told because John wasn't around. John was with Jesus somewhere else, right, at this point. Um, so the, they, they heard this man. I'm just wondering why he didn't. And I, only, only thing I can come up with is why he didn't name him. Is it the man himself asked not to be? That's the only reason I don't know that for a fact, but it's just possibly, possibly a statement of this man's humility. Don't put any attention, just like John does. John doesn't mention yeah, he himself. Yeah, his way not to bring glory to anybody other than Jesus. Yeah, sure. But there are some people that are named Nicodemus. Is yep. Okay. All right. So, so the woman at the well. Same. It's another one of those situations. I think he didn't name her. He he had the disciples weren't there in a conversation that Jesus had with her. Right. So Jesus. So how did he know that conversation? took place the way it did. She told him later, years later, as a believer. It's kind of cool when you think about that. All right. So anyway, so this man is not named. Of, uh, there's a lot of uh, persecutions ongoing in the church. And that could be another reason why people are not mentioned. Names are not mentioned. That could very well be. That could very well be. That could very well be. So we don't know, just some speculation. But point is, he's not named here. Um, verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Okay. Why? Because they can't resolve this. Right? And the next day, this has got to be Sunday, probably. Okay, what we would call Sunday. Because all of this happens on the Sabbath, they're just like, they can't, they can't resolve this. And, and so now the next day, the Pharisees are in session, or at least around enough, and they, and they there's enough buzz, because this is a busy time. Remember, this is this is the great feast, man. There's not just Jerusalem probably had you know, roughly 200, 250,000 residents anyway on its own. But by this time, based on estimates that we have from from Josephus, who gives us the number of, of animals that are being sacrificed, we reduce how many people are there, and it could easily be on the order of a million plus people in town. Okay. Uh, certainly, the, the, the crowds are swell. So there's a lot of people. That's why, again, I say I think I think that we can't get too specific about parsing this crowd and the others and everything because there's so many people there, and there's enough buzz to get the attention of the religious order, the authorities. Okay, and they're convening the next day, and they bring this guy in because we can't resolve this. How how can this be? Now. Verse 14, parenthetical note, it was a what? Sabbath day. Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Again, commentators know why this is hard to figure out. That's that's the point. 
made the clay and opened his eyes to see things he wasn't supposed to do on the Sabbath. And he did. And that is that is the theological problem there in verse 14 that they are bring that's the case, if you will, that they're bringing to the authorities. So if he's okay. God, why would he do it? How how can he? Yeah, right. I thought you said God was on our side. So Jesus wasn't, Jesus had to deconstruct what they had constructed themselves. So he was following, he was following exactly what his father had told him to do. But, but, and the people really, I think the people really wanted to believe that this was Jesus. Um, but they didn't have scriptures to follow. They didn't have, they had whatever the Pharisees gave them. That's what the people had, was what the Pharisees had told them and the scribes had told them and everything. So if they kind of messed it all up and stuck all these extra things in there, that's really hard for the people. The people are wanting to, you know, can we believe this man? He's doing some amazing things. Can we believe that he is God's son? You know, so I feel for those people. Does that make sense? It does, but I want to say this. Before you feel too badly for the people, remember chapter 6. Okay? John is very clear in chapter 6 to draw a distinction between the Jews, which are these religious leaders, right? It's his, by the way, by the time John is writing this, the term Jews in the minds of the Christians would have been synonymous with opposition to the gospel. So, but in chapter six, you have ordinary people who are his disciples for many months, even several years, perhaps, who say, this is a hard saying. When Jesus is in chapter six, says, I'm the bread from heaven, right? And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And you shouldn't share with me. This is a hard saying. John 6, 66, one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible for this reason. Many of his disciples, not the Jews, but his disciples, followed him no longer, went back and followed him no longer. Okay, so I hear you, Erica, but I think, I think, you know, that plus what other places, for example, Paul says, you know, that um, I used to kind of think that too, you know, all these poor people are so confused, led astray by all these, you know, these false religions and leaders out there. And there's some element of that that's true, okay. But Paul says, no, people accumulate to themselves teachers who will what? Scratch their issues. So, That's true today, too. It's still true today. Yeah. So when you have somebody who, yes, there are, there are um, what the Proverbs would call a simpleton, a person who is an ignorant person who's wrapped up in a false system, and they're confused by it. But there are a lot of people who aren't professionals, but who, are turning their back on Jesus anyway, despite the fact that they see these miracles, they hear his teaching. You know. So I hear you, but but there's that other side too. Remember what John said when John McCross was preaching on Isaiah 53, that the Jews, that, that chap, chapters even been removed from a lot of their Bibles, they deliberately ignore that. So, 
about linear makes sense, and that's why we just said you know, let the little children kind of think. Yeah. Yeah. children always think linear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like you said, these miracles over, 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 you know, and you just example. While he's teaching it, he's living the example. It's a it's a linear thing, man. You hear? And then this happened. Only by God. So I mean you can, you can put a bunch of fillers in there if you want to, but a child's mind won't do that. They see this and they see this. And you can't fudge what they just saw. They saw it. So yeah, you can't feel sorry for for people because they had the living truth right in front of them. Over, over. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Amen. That's such like a great that point. That you use linear, that's, that's very, yeah, very scripture. That's a good point. Be like children in that way, right? Um, so let's move on. I'm really trying to get this done. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the, the clay, opened his eyes. Verse 15. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay in my eyes, I washed. Right. What do you think the again is there for? Well, the people have this dilemma, right? Verse 14 summarizes the dilemma. He made the clay and he opened his eyes. So do that. So when they when they when they urgently call for it's a lot of people, evidently, enough to get attention of a significant group of the Pharisees. And they, and they called and they have, they have this little trial, if you will. Okay, again, it's going to be on trial. And, and, and when they call for that, the Pharisees have to know what's the purpose, right? Okay, so the story had already been told by all of these people. That's why I think it's again. But watch how many times as we move our way through the text, or if you read it on your own later, how many times it says again. Again, yes. And so they called and believe it. Asked the parents. And the parents tell them the same thing again. And uh, so they call a man in again, right? Mark of unbelief. No matter how much evidence is presented, if you don't want to believe, you, you, you don't believe. That's why the title, you know, um, I think it was the prior notes. Oh, no, it's these notes. If you look at the sort of first subtitle there on first paragraph, believing the gospel is not an intellectual issue, it is a heart issue. It is not an intellectual issue, it's a heart issue. Doesn't matter how smart or dumb you are, if you just simply don't want to believe, you don't like what you're hearing, you'll find an excuse not to believe. And that's what we see again, again, they call men, call, call a crowd in, they believe the crowd, they, they call the parents in, the parents, yeah, they kind of dodged the issue. Yeah, he's our son, but we don't know. They call him in again. You know, how many times do you have to hear? In fact, he says that. Do you want to be his disciples too? You want to hear it again? Uh, and I love this. I love how the man is starting to, you know, <laughs> starting to figure this out. And they get upset. It's just a mark of unbelief. And, and again, I was listening to John MacArthur on this, and it was an excellent point. He says, you know, we can expect the same thing. You know, we're here to talk about child evangelism today and you know all those children you know um and we have numbers 
because from a human standpoint, we don't know really who God is working in, who's, who isn't. You know? um, we've seen that even in our church. You know, some, some kids that we you know, made professions. I did that. You know, I was four years old. It's not until years later that I found out, well, I really wasn't regenerated. But anyway, so point is that uh, unbelief, you will face most people you talk to about the gospel will reject. They may even respond at first like his disciples in chapter 6, right? His disciples had walked with him for a while. This doesn't call them the crowd. It calls them his disciples. They had been followers of him and had been with him day after day seeing miracles and so forth and that yet when it came to that hard saying they left and the true nature of who they are is the word of God the supreme shears of the father that Jesus talks about in John 15 and he says there's actually there's not fruit on the what's the shears what's the shears what's the tool he uses to do that word of God and Jesus speaks the word of God in chapter six and those shears come out and those branches run off, right? So the Father knows the hearts. We don't know the hearts, but this is the other side of evangelism. You have all kinds of store uh, evangelism techniques, and you know we have that CF. It's a lot of training. It's very good training, how to use children and everything. But at the end of the day, you just need to be prepared for the fact that most people are not going to believe. Not going to believe because it's not an intellectual problem. You can you can present the case. You can make you know, I love creation science and, you know, debating those issues, you know, and let's talk about the woodpecker, you know, how did that evolve, you know, symbiotic relationships between all of these different animals out there and, and even animals and plants, you know, for certain plants are pollinated only by certain little beetles, you know, and, and how, you know, the flowers tailor-made for that little beetle, how, you know, Science really creates because it's not an intellectual problem. It's a hard one. Just saying, science, real science, does support creation. Yes, and so does real history. It's interesting that they, when they're looking at here's a man that's blind for six years, and and all of a sudden he can see. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that worth saying? There must be some love here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally see past that. They'll just look right past that issue. There's no excitement. You can't, they're not rejoicing with the man. They're, they're worried about this. They're, they're irritated and angry with the violation of their rules. All right, so where are we here? Trying to get to verse 16. So that's uh, uh, 14, the open. So the Pharisees again asked him, right? So verse 15, uh, how he received his sight. And again, notice his factual statement. He put clay in my eyes, washed, that's it. That's it. Now verse 16, our final words here. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not what? The Sabbath. See, that's the issue. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Ah, there was a division among them. It's not the first time we've seen division. So. This is what Jesus means when he says, do not think that I have 
I'm going to feast with the sword. Kind of turn, turn, uh, you know, men's uh, a person's members of his own household one, one against the other. Even even in our houses, even in our closest family members, you know, there can be division. And we pray that there isn't, but you know, we can't open their eyes. Only God can do that. But here is division. So notice this. It, it kind of again, John is summarizing. I guarantee you, it wasn't. You know, it, we read it and it's like that fast, right? This was a this was a long debate. This was a long debate. Okay, they had convened a special council just for this purpose, and they're only getting started, right? So, but John is just again economy of words. He's distilling down for us the two the two um, voices here. Even and you do you hear that division first? You saw it with the crowd, right? And now you see it again with the with the Pharisees. People are on both sides of this issue. Okay, because some, like David said, some are, are thinking linearly, right? Others are thinking circularly. The conclusion has already been established. This man is a sinner. We're going to see that. We're going to say that later, right? This man is a sinner. He can't. He, there's no way he can violate the Sabbath and do this. So whatever other things you want to say about it, there's no way he can be from God. That's one side. The other side is he performed this miracle that can only be the finger of God. <clears throat> So, what does that say? Where do we go next? They're, they're, they're trying to get out of the circle. They're trying to follow it to a conclusion. All right. All right. Stay tuned next week. Good. your pen Don't we get into the next section and see where this goes? It's interesting that the there for the latter part of that verse 16 says that after an ordinary sinner he says miraculous signs it's not just this one but they recognize him. Uh, they've recognized others as well oh oh yes do such signs <laughs> correct, <laughs> correct. Signs, that's true which means true. it's not this only one that we've seen it's other signs well it's, a, signs. it's at least the one in chapter five right which had happened maybe a year and a half earlier something like that which has a lot of similar there's, there's a lot of similarities between the, the healing in chapter five and this healing here now both of these people <clears throat> were in environments where there were other Disabled people that were bypassed, Jesus focused on just them. It was both done on the Sabbath in a way. The man who was born, who was, who was, uh, he was playing 38 years, um, had a campsite, right? It wasn't just a small little man. He was told to pick up more than he was supposed to carry on the Sabbath and walk further than he was supposed to walk. So that healing also violates the Sabbath. So both healings violate those Sabbath traditions, both zero in on those people, both. Uh, 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 both people who were healed end up going to the Pharisees presenting this problem, this conundrum, right? They, yeah, it's a great point, Larry. They had seen this, and not just those two, yeah. but other times as well. You got yeah. like at least two and a half, three years yep. of signs yep. continuously. That's right. It's not just a, it's not just a here and there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, at the end of John, like you said. It says that books 
I thought that was very interesting. The plural they recognize the signs. I love how Jesus went with his miracles too. It's, there's no big old long witch doctor ceremony. With it, right? It's not all you know. When you have you have a lot of fakers healings and, and if you watch it I mean they had this two three four hour long program with all the singing smoke and mirrors you know all of this distraction and then there's actual you know where's the meat here it's like like ordering a hamburger a huge run you know? remember that remember that decades ago where's the meat, meat? Where's <laughs> but jesus man you're getting the meat you know there's, there's no fanfare choir singing you know Incense, altar boys, none of this, right? It just it's just go to pool wash. Yeah. No fanfare, just a healing. You know, love it. I think that's love it for And and like you say, many, many, many. It wasn't it wasn't oh one one a year. No, I mean all the time. People we see that mark, right? He's yeah. he's because it's a Sabbath, people wait and and then in the evening, finally, people are coming. He's healing all night long, you know. And, go ahead. I'm sorry, and we don't even we don't know the ones. You know, the, the ones that's what Larry was saying. That's right. That's right. That's right. Exactly right. All right. Well, this is good. We'll have to wait next week to pick it up. <clears throat> We've seen a little bit of your glory, Father, in the face of your Son here, and we can't want to leave you out either. We talked to the Holy Spirit. But, uh, and of course, the Lord Jesus, who is the centerpiece of, of, of this uh, story here, but, but these are miracles from you. You performed this miracle. You gave him the works to do. And, and Jesus is so clear about that, um, that these are your works that you gave him to do to confirm that your message, which he is speaking. He is the faithful witness from heaven. And he is he and we thank you so much that we can we have your precious word now we have that witness recorded for us and just like them at that time we now also behold these miracles and we through eyes of faith we believe and 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 uh, even Jesus himself says blessed are those who who um, have not seen yet believed and so uh, what a blessing it is but it's also uh, bittersweet too, because at the same time we recognize that all of our best arguments don't win people. Uh, only your Holy Spirit can do that. Only you, Father, can open the blind eyes. And so we pray, Father, for our loved ones. We'll be here all day if we miss them out who don't know you. We just pray for our neighbors, our coworkers, our family who don't know you. Um, open their eyes. And if you choose to use us in the process, so be it. But uh, there's only one name that's worth naming, and it's Amen. not ours. So we pray your blessing on the service again this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's good. Thank you. Good morning, Jeremy.